Amen. Thank you, Tom. Wow, it's so amazing for us to be with you here in uh, at Rimrock. We are just thrilled what God is doing. And as I told the first service, as Donovan was sharing, it's like my whole life flashed in front of my eyes. <laughs> well, the birth of this church and I was being born and uh, man. <laughs> but uh, can't, I mean, after hearing that, can't you just say God is in charge? God is faithful. Man, isn't it amazing to see what God is doing through Rimrock and, and, and that he is ultimately in charge of this body and of this church and of this work. And it's, it's amazing. And uh, we just feel so blessed that, uh, that he's been gracious enough to include us at this point. So thank you for, for receiving us. Uh, the search team and so many have been just amazing. They've, they've embraced us so warmly and, and we've been blessed by them. We, and we're just so, so amazed by how God has worked. I just want to share a little bit of the story and then we're going to jump into Psalm 145 because today is not about me, it's about God because he's here and we're here to worship him. We want to go to his word this morning, but I just want to share a little bit of, of, of how we see, have seen God lead us here. Um, it was maybe um, in the last year or so, um, Jill and I were sensing God was stirring something new in our hearts and our lives, and we knew God was going to move us. So we have been for 13 years in, in Wilmer, Minnesota, and we love it. We are part of an awesome church there called Living Hope. In fact, a few weeks ago, I let the whole church know I was going to be here with you, and, and the church um, is seeing this as ascending, and they, they came up and they prayed for us, and, and people have been so encouraging, and it's just been amazing to see how the body of Christ has come around us because we serve ascending God. God the Father sent Jesus, his son, into this world. And, and, and likewise, the church becomes ascending people, and it's amazing. Um, we uh, believe every relationship is an eternal relationship, and we look forward to our eternal home, and we will all be together. We will all, it says, before the throne of God, every nation, every tribe, every tongue, every people will be before God's throne, worshiping him, praising him. And I can't wait for that day. I cannot wait for that day. But until that day, we have work to do. And we believe God is, is bringing us here. And so we were stirred, and we didn't know when or where. And uh, in fact, we were celebrating Christmas with our families, and we told them, we believe um, this was last November, and we said, we believe God is going to move us, but we don't know when or where. <laughs> and... Uh, it wasn't until the springtime that we felt, okay, now's the time. And, uh, and within a week, we got an email from Rimrock. And, uh, and uh, honestly, Jill and I looked at it and we said, well, South Dakota was not on our radar. It wasn't a place we had ever thought of living. But um, what was amazing is as my wife read through the job description and the values, she came to me and said, Ben, this is you. This is you. And so I began to read and pray, and, and I went and I listened to some of the sermons from Pastor Steve, and God was using those things to draw my heart and say, this is it. This is where God is calling us, and we, we felt it from the very beginning. And in that time, um, I, uh, I, I don't, this doesn't happen a lot to me, but I was praying and, and, and seeking the Lord on some things, and God brought Psalm 145 to me, which was what we're going to look at today. And, and, and I felt, and I almost saw it, a vision that I would be sharing Psalm 145 to you here at Rimrock. And it was amazing. It was an amazing vision. And here I am today. So God's faithful <laughs> to, uh, to when he gives us those things to see them to fruition. And I believe Psalm 145 is, is key not only for us personally, but for us as a church, for Rimrock, because these things are already, those things that we're going to see in Psalm 145 are already here 
But I believe there's a new season ahead where we're going to see these things carried out, as Donovan said, and the, and the, the, the opportunity of the Spirit of God to use us to point to these things that we're going to read about in Psalm 145 gets me really excited and amazed at God's faithfulness. Would you stand with me as we read the Word of God together? It says, I will extol you, my God and King, and I will bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. In his greatness, it's unsearchable. One generation will commend your works to another and they will declare your mighty acts. On the glorious splendor of your majesty and your wondrous works, I will meditate. They will speak of the might of your awesome deeds and I will declare your greatness. They will pour forth the fame of your abundant goodness and sing aloud of your righteousness. Oh, the Lord, he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. The Lord, he is good to all and his mercy is over all that he has made. All your works will give thanks to you, O Lord, and your saints will bless you. They will speak of the glory of your kingdom and tell of your power to make known to the children of men your mighty deeds and the glorious splendor of your kingdom because your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion endures through all generations the Lord he upholds all who are falling and he raises up those who are bowed down the eyes of all who look to you and you give them their food in due season you open your hand and you satisfy the desires of every living thing the Lord he is righteous in all his ways and he's kind in all his works the Lord he is near to all who call on him to all who call on him in truth He fulfills the desires of those who fear him, and he hears their cry, and he saves them. The Lord, he preserves all who love him, but all the wicked he will destroy. My mouth will speak of the praise of the Lord. Let all flesh bless his holy name. Amen. You may be seated. What an amazing psalm. It's an amazing psalm because it points to an amazing God. And that's what we want to do today. And there's five things that I believe God wants to point out to us out of this psalm that it's specifically for us here at Rimrock. This psalm begins in verse 3 pointing to one thing. It says, great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. I believe that we are called, our supreme calling is to point to God's greatness. But we have a problem. I have a problem. My problem, our problem is that we all want to be great and we all want to be significant, right? And so many times we spend our lives striving and looking for that greatness, that significance. And a lot of times our perspective gets skewed and instead of of seeing God's greatness, we only see ourselves and we only see the world through our eyes and and, and those things around us and we become self-centered. That has been much of what I have wrestled with in my life. I want to share a little story with you, and uh, this was a few, more than a few years ago. This was maybe uh, 11, 12 years ago. God was calling my wife Jill and I to plant a church in uh, another community. So we were in a, in a church plant, and they were sending us out to, to plant another church. And, and, uh, and if you've ever been a part of a church plant, you know that it's way beyond your ability, or, and uh, it's, it's difficult, and it's faith-building. And we were in the midst of that, and I was uh, visiting some people, and I was driving back on a country road, and I was struggling. I was striving because... 
there were things that I wanted to see happen that weren't happening and I was frustrated and there was some anger there and, and, and I was just wrestling. But, but my, my eyes, my focus was all on myself. Just, I got to figure this out. I got to figure this out. And as I'm driving along, I heard a voice and it said, stop, stop. And so I literally pulled over to the side of the road and I got out of the car. And in that, in that time, that time of period where I was just wrestling things, I, I didn't really look at what was happening outside. And as I sat there on the hood of my car, I looked up and I took my breath away. I saw the sky was filled with stars. <laughs> it was glorious. There was no moon. And in the distance on the north, there was a, a thunderstorm brewing where the lightning was shooting out above the clouds. And so you could see the stars and the lightning. And all of a sudden, I heard the voice of God and said, Ben, look at me. I'm great. <laughs> I'm awesome. And I was amazed. I was breathless. And I began to weep before the Lord. And I repented of my selfishness and, and my work that I was trying to do without looking at how great God was. It was amazing. And I got back in that car and the rest of my journey was completely different. <laughs> Instead of, of frustration and striving, I felt peace. I felt joy. And I could literally sing about God's greatness and His grace and His goodness at that moment. It was beautiful and it was a reminder. But, but that is all of us individually. We get skewed. We get focused on other things and we lose sight of who God is. And I believe that this psalm points us to not only individually but as a church. What are we about? We're about pointing to God. It says one generation will commend your works to another. They will tell and speak and proclaim and celebrate and sing about who God is. And that's why we need to come together and do this on Sunday mornings where we point to God and his greatness. And in the first service, having some of the, the founders of this church here were reminded that they were faithful in pointing to God's greatness. And they have been speaking to us and we have another generation after us our kids, our grandchildren, others that we need to point to God. Rimrock, we need to be careful. We do not live for ourselves. It's not about us being a great church. It's not about me being a great pastor. It's about us serving a great God and pointing to Him. May those who come after us say that we served an amazing, awesome God. Let's point to Him. Verse 8 and 9 gets us to the second point that I want to look at, which is God's grace. So God is great, but isn't it good news that he is also grace? Verses 89, the Lord, he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. The Lord, he is good to all. I hope you hear those words. These are the most beautiful, sweet words in the Bible. And it's not just in Psalm 145. This message about who God is is woven in the entire story. The story of the Bible is not about us. It's about God. This is God's story, and he's revealing. He's showing us. He's revealing who he is. And he is a God of grace. He is a God of love. He is a God of patience. He is a God of goodness. And I hope when you read this, you don't just breeze through it because when I read these words, I'm undone because I realize that I'm not like God. I realize that I am not like this. And it says there that the Lord is gracious. And I look at my own life and I say, man, there's many times where I'm not. And, there's, and it says he's compassionate. There's many times I see a need and I don't do anything. There's many times where instead of being slow to anger, I'm quick to be angry. I, I told the first service that I didn't realize I had an anger problem until I had kids. <laughs> I started having kids and I said, what's wrong with me? I'm reacting. I'm doing all this stuff. I, I, man, 
anger, quick, it's there. And then it says rich in love. And I often, many times, only want to love those who love me. And it says the Lord, he is good to all. And I tend to be just good to a few, but God is not like that. Aren't you glad that God is not like us? Aren't you glad that God is above us and beyond us? And it's awesome when we look at, see, who he is and what he does in our lives. And we realize that when we encounter God, that we need him desperately. Because I am not God, I realize I need his grace. I need his compassion. I need his patience in my life. And I need that love, that abounding, never-ending, lavishing love. And I need his goodness. And I realize I need God. This reality of who God is is woven throughout the Bible. If you remember, Moses went up onto a mountain in Mount Sinai, and he was there in the presence of God, and, and God was revealing the law, you know, the Ten Commandments. But then it says, the glory of God passed in front of Moses. And what does God say to Moses? He says, I am the Lord, and I am gracious and compassionate. I am slow to anger and rich in love. And then think back with me to Jonah, a prophet, a reluctant prophet, who God said, I want you to go to the Ninevites. And Jonah said, no way, not those people. No way. <laughs> and so he ends up in a belly of fish and all this stuff. He goes, he ends up preaching to them, sharing the good news that God would, would, would spare them if they repented. And they actually did. They received God's goodness and his grace. And he, what it was Jonah like? He was upset. He was like, no way, God, you can't do this. But then... In Jonah, chapter, at the end of Jonah, it says, Jonah says, I realize, God, that you are gracious. I realize that you are compassionate. I realize that you are slow to anger and rich in love. Wow. God's not like us. <laughs> and, and God is calling his people to be a people who point to his grace. This is one of the things I have enjoyed most as we have gotten to know you, Rimrock, and see how you understand and you are a people of grace. God has, has allowed and opened your eyes to see who he is and experience him. And you're sharing that with other people. The most important thing when we talk about grace is that we realize grace is revealed to us in a person. It's the person of Jesus Christ. We would not fully understand who God is if we didn't know Jesus. Jesus is the face of grace. When Jesus came into this world, it says he came full of grace and truth. He revealed to us who God is, and he, and it, and he was human like us. He walked like us. He experienced what, he exper what we experienced, and he showed us who God is and what he's like. He showed us the love of God, and grace was most demonstrated in how Jesus treated people. He loved them. He embraced those who were rejected. He loved the sick. He loved children. He loved the weak. He, he went to the parties where people were, were sinners, and he loved on those people. He showed us what grace is, what it looks like. And then he served those around him. He washed their feet. And ultimately, grace was revealed in his willingness to sacrifice, to die. And he Jesus, the Son of God who never sinned, was nailed to a cross. He was beaten, he was mocked, he was spit on, but he was filled with grace and he was able to be up there on the cross and look down and say, Father, forgive them because they do not know what they do. Wow, that is grace. God has revealed himself in Jesus. Paul says that we see the face of God and all the glory of God in the face of Jesus. Wow.
So I first encountered God's grace as a little boy. I was living in Denver, Colorado, and uh, I will never forget the day. It was a beautiful, uh, sunny day, and I was out playing with my little brother, and at some point we were playing, I picked up a rock, and I decided, what will happen if I hit him with this rock? <laughs> so I threw it, and it hit him right in the head, and he's okay, thankfully, and uh, he survived, but um, I, I got in trouble. My dad came out and got me in trouble, and then he said, did you throw this rock? And I said, no, I didn't throw it. Someone else did. But my dad looked around, and there were no other kids around. <laughs> so line, line never works out well. So, um, but later that day, my, my dad had disciplined me, and I was sitting outside, and I started thinking, why would I do that? Why would I throw a rock at my brother whom I love? And why would I lie about it? And for the first time, I looked inside in this heart of mine, and I realized it's full of sin and wickedness and a tendency to do wrong. And I realized my dad had told me and my mom that Jesus had died for sin, but I always thought that was for someone else. But that day, it hit me. I'm the sinner. I'm the one who deserves hell. I'm the one who is, is, is in need of Jesus. And so I, as a, as a little boy, cried out to Jesus. I said, Lord, please forgive me. Would you forgive me? Because I don't want to go to hell. I don't want to be separated from you. I want to know who you are, Jesus. And I cried out to him, and, and tears streaming down my face. And, and there I experienced grace for the first time because my heart was flooded with peace and joy. And I got up, and I ran to my mom and dad, and I said, Today I met Jesus. <laughs> and it was amazing. And I realized that day that I was saved by grace. But here's the amazing thing that I've discovered. It wasn't just for that day. None of us just receive grace on the day that we first receive Christ. We need grace every day. This is an unending thing that we need and we depend on from God. I realized that, that without grace, I could not follow Jesus. It was impossible. And I was in... Um, in uh, Nebraska after graduating from high school. I had a period of time where I had lived very selfishly. I was looking for pleasure. I was living for myself. And here I was in Nebraska living with my uncle who was a pastor, working with my cousins detasseling corn. Any corn detasselers here? All right, okay. You guys know what that's like. <laughs> um, so there I was, but it was God's perfect plan for my life because as, as I'm out there in the cornfields, I had time to think to, to hear from God. Also, during that time, I began to read through the book of Ephesians. And God was using Ephesians to undo me because I began to realize I'd put my identity in other things. And I realized that God's call was for me to find my identity in Jesus and Him alone. And I began to realize that message of salvation was for me at that moment because I was being devastated by my sin. And there I was working in the fields, and, and people were ministering to me, and I was part of the church, and I came to Ephesians chapter 3, where it says at the very center of God's plan of bringing this message of grace is the local church, because God chose the local church to, to demonstrate and show the manifold wisdom of God, and right there in Nebraska, I realized the trajectory of my life was going to change because I had a plan. I was going to be a pilot. I was going to have adventure. I was going to do all this stuff, and then I realized that I didn't want to be anywhere else but in the center of what God was doing in the world, which was through the church. And so there began the journey of this calling to be a pastor, and it was amazing. But I want to share that with you because it's all grace. 
in my own will, I was headed one direction, and God and His grace came into my life, revealed to me Jesus again, and reminded me of who He was and what He was calling me to be. We never stop needing God's grace. And so Rimrock, individually, but as a church, let's continue to be a people of grace. Let's continue to point people to who God is as a gracious God who is full of love. Verse 13, your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and your dominion endures through all generation. God's kingdom. So God is great. He is grace, but he is also a king. He is a king of a kingdom, and we have to be careful we don't miss this. We don't miss this, because God is Lord of all. Jesus is Lord. This is so important. We understand government, right? We understand rulers in this world. Many of us uh, are, are so blessed. All of us are blessed to be here in America. We have a wonderful nation that God has given us, and I'm so proud to be an American. But the reality, if we look at our nation and our government, it won't last forever. If you read history, you will read that many nations have come and gone, and America won't last forever. But what does this tell us? Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. Your dominion endures through all generations. And so the important question for us to ask is, who do we belong to? Who is our, ultimately our king? That doesn't mean we don't, aren't part of this nation, we don't engage, but, but who will we be? Because what will endure, what will last? Jesus spoke about the kingdom of God more than anything else. Anything else. He pointed over and over to this thing called the kingdom. In fact, the message of Jesus was repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. So what does this mean? I believe it means three things. I believe God is sovereign and he's the ruler over all things. We've already thought about that with Rimrock, right? God's in charge. He's leading. He's guiding. He's, he's overseeing all things. The problem in the world is what? The world rejects God's kingship. The world rejects that sovereign rule and says, no, we will rule. We will be in charge. But the Bible points us that there is one Lord, one God, one king. He is sovereign and he's ruling over all things. Two, it means the kingdom of God is God's will. Jesus said when we pray, what do we say? We say, your kingdom come and your will be done. This is the action of God. This is the activity of God in our world. That is so important to understand. This is the kingdom of God, his sovereign rule, his will. And then the third one is very, very important. The kingdom of God is carried out in the human heart. That is so important. Because the kingdoms of this world, what defines them? We look at buildings, we look at castles, we look at armies, we look at all these things and we say, that's power. But God has put his priority not in building those amazing, those things. Rather, he has put all his, his priority and his love and his pursuit into the human heart because we are the pinnacle of his creation. We are made in his image. And from the very beginning of this, this story, we see God is pursuing men and women to be his own, to belong to him, to be his sons and his daughters. And we see God wanting to carry out his kingdom, his rule, his reign. And if you look at what is the gospel message, it is that Jesus is Lord. And he's calling us to submit and be part of his kingdom and to experience what it's like to be under the rule and reign of God. And here's the good news. It's pure blessing. <laughs> Why? Because God is gracious. And we're going to look here that God is Savior. He's in, the, he's in the business of saving and restoring. Our world is in great need of the lordship of God. 
there is brokenness all around us. Our world is broken. And we see that when the world pursues lesser powers, lesser kings, lesser kingdoms, all that results is emptiness and death. There is no good that comes from it. But when we find that God is Lord and that He is King, we find life. We find that He is sufficient to care for us and watch over us and provide for us and, and complete us and satisfy us completely. In Romans, it talks about how all of creation groans and longs for the redemption of all of creation. But where does it say in Romans that He starts? With us, with the people. It's waiting for the people of God to be redeemed. And I understand that loneliness, that, that longing, that groaning, because I see the brokenness, and I see what happens in our world, and when I travel, I go to places like Africa, and I walk into a hospital, and I see the suffering, and I see people that I love here who, who've, who've died, or I see sickness, and I see all these things, and inside I say, Lord, we need you to be king. We need you to be Lord of all things. I think the kingdom of God is most expressed in Psalm 73, where we say, whom have I in heaven but you? And on earth I desire nothing besides you. Oh, my heart and my flesh may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. If we could say that, we are experiencing the kingdom of God. Our desires are brought to Jesus. So Rimrock, we belong to Jesus. He is our King, He is our Lord. And then verse 18 and 19 of Psalm 145, the Lord is near to all who call on Him, to all who call on Him in truth. He fulfills the desires of those who fear Him. He hears their cry and He saves them. Here's the good news. Jesus is Lord, but He's also Savior. He is Savior. He uses His kingship, His lordship, His power to save, to deliver, to rescue. Isn't it cool when you read the psalm, it, it describes people who, who are in need, right? Those who, who have uh, recognized that they have need. And that's why Jesus came in the world, not to condemn the world, but to save the world. Isn't that amazing? He came to save the world. He came to save us. Now here's the key. Jesus doesn't save those who say, I don't need anything. I'm good. <laughs> you... You, you, can, you can go by me, right? Nope. Jesus says he goes to the poor in spirit. He goes to those who recognize their need. And that's us. We are the fellowship of the forgiven. We are the people who've come to the end of ourselves. We've recognized our need. And we've bowed down. And we've seen that we have to look to Jesus because there's nowhere else that we can go. All our desires are unfulfilled by the things of this world. And we found that all those things are empty and useless. But when we find that Jesus is Savior, we find that we can find our satisfaction in Him and Him alone. We need saving, and we've experienced that. We've experienced His salvation. I remember as a young boy, I got saved, but, but my salvation doesn't end there. As a, as a young man, I realized I had a huge struggle with fear. And fear was a, a lie that Satan was using to keep me from obeying and following Jesus. And I began to realize that this fear was dominating my life. And it was keeping me from doing what God had asked me to do. And so I began to cry out to God, just like the psalm said. I, I was bowed down. I was, I, was, I was asking that God would change and take away this tendency towards fear. 
And here's the good news. God has answered. Does it, do I still struggle sometimes with fear? I do. But God has answered, and he's saving me from that. He's delivering me from that. And he's allowing me to be in front of you here today, which would never have happened if God hadn't delivered me and saved me from those fears. And so, Rimrock, God is doing that in our lives. He is saving us. He's delivering us. Maybe some of you are here today and there's a struggle in your life. There's something there that you need saving from. What does the psalm say? God is near. Call out. Cry out. He's waiting. (laughs) He will deliver. He will save. And he will fulfill our desires. Isn't that beautiful? Here's the key, Rimrock. We can't stop with just receiving that. God is calling us, Rimrock, to be his messengers, to take this message of God's salvation to the world. (laughs) God doesn't have a plan B. There's no one else who will do it because God has called us who have experienced it to share it with others. He is saying, look out and see. See those who are bowed down. See those who are broken. See those who are in need. See those and tell them. Tell them what he's done for you. Tell them what Jesus does. Tell them what he can do in their lives. And we will see the power of the kingdom of God released as we do that. Jesus is Savior, and they will not know unless we tell them. And so, Rimrock, let's always, always be in that place of dependence on Jesus as our Savior. But we are called to make disciples. We are called to go and to proclaim unashamed, boldly, joyfully to share the good news with others. Praise God. All right, here's we're going to end with Psalm in, in verse 21. Let my mouth, my mouth will speak and praise the Lord. Let every creature praise his holy name forever and ever. Isn't it cool that Psalm 145 starts with praise and it ends with praise? This is the key. This is the key to what we are called to be as a people. We are called to be a people of praise. And we are called to exalt one God who is King and Lord and Savior of all. Because just as we read in, in this psalm that Jesus, and, uh, that he is great, that he is grace, that he is Lord and Savior, we respond with praise. That's how we respond. Because there's no one greater, there's no one more worthy. And that is what I believe God is calling Rimrock ultimately to be, a people of praise. We speak his name. We speak his praise because we are amazed by who he is. There is no one else like him. As the worship team comes up, I just want to say I'm not going to be a perfect pastor. And I know that you are not going to be a perfect church. But here's what I want to be committed to 100% with everything I have, that we will praise God together. We will point to him. We will declare who he is to this world. Would you stand and let's end with what Psalm 145 begins with. It says, I will exalt you, my God and King. I will praise your name forever and ever, every day, both today and tomorrow and Wednesday and even Friday. We will praise you, God. We will extol your name forever and ever. Amen. Amen.